Welcome to another episode of the You Smart Tourism podcast. My name is Misa and I'm your host from the European Commission. Smart gets you further. Today we'll be talking about co-creation and smart tourism governance because it is a rather common feature among our EU capitals of smart tourism. Co-creation is a big topic for us here because so much of what makes smart tourism a success is based on effective cooperation and on collaboration between the public and the private sector with the residents of a destination, together with other industries across borders and also with other destinations. So today we will talk about why this is also crucial for smart tourism, how to make this collaboration easier and more successful, and how different cities make sure that all stakeholders are involved in the process. We'll discuss the positive impact of collaboration on visitors and also on the communities. And we'll try to understand why this cooperative approach is not only effective, but also highly rewarding from the perspective of public sector management. Our first guest today is going to help us understand the basics. I'm Dimitris Bukhais. I'm Professor of Smart Tourism and the Director of the eTourism Lab in Bournemouth University in England. This is Professor Buhale's second time on the podcast. Welcome back. We wanted to start by asking him why collaboration is so fundamental to the tourism industry. Tourism is a collaborative industry by nature. It uh, basically brings together a whole range of different stakeholders to co-create experiences. So tourism is taking advantage of public goods like the uh, nature or archaeological and cultural resources, gastronomy, or a lot of uh, interesting things that uh, a destination has got, and is co-creating value with uh, visitors, travelers who are coming to our places to enjoy those areas. By definition, you cannot do tourism alone. By definition, tourists are consuming a range of different products and services that are produced by many different stakeholders. And equally, all the stakeholders, they need to collaborate in order to be able to deliver their products and services. So by definition, tourism is a collaborative industry. And the level of collaboration and the level of the strategic alignments of all the different stakeholders determines the degree that the industry can develop collective competitiveness as a network where the, the destination is bringing forward the different opportunities and the different uh, experiences that they would like to provide. Okay, so let's define who is collaborating here. Who are the main actors on this stage? The public sector creates the platform and the legal framework. But in fact, what's happening is that you've got the different actors, for example, hoteliers, um, transportation providers, taxi drivers, um, restaurants, um, agricultural farms, uh, cultural actors like um, theatres, like uh, um, museums, like archaeological sites. And all of these entities, they've got their own priorities and they've got their own organisation that they are using in order to develop and produce uh, the products and services that they offer. And this is where the public sector role really comes into play. So what the governments are doing is they're bringing all of these actors together and perhaps in many destinations around the world, there are associations of different tourism organizations, hospitality organizations, that they are also create 
the opportunity for discussions to get together and identify how the different players can work together in a collaborative manner in order to deliver wonderful services. It is a lot about finding a way for individuals to get a better view of the bigger picture so that they can collaborate in ways that are meaningful and that benefit everyone. What you find quite often in places where there's a lot of touristic activity is that individualistic needs are prevailing and quite often the common good is a little bit more challenging, if you like. So what do you find is in terms of if, you, if we're trying to define a place, uh, very often people will talk about some of the Spanish cities that have been uh, awarded uh, smart awards. Uh, places like Barcelona, like Malaga, like Valencia, where they coordinate quite well the different stakeholders and they enhance the collective competitiveness of the destination through managing the different networks and through understanding the needs of their consumers and supporting them. And of course, there are many ways in which you can achieve that and you can do it at different levels too. So you've got different layers of that. So you've got the local level, the uh, peripheral level, the national level, and the international level. So at the local level, you would expect that there are some organizations, a destination management organization, for example, that brings together the different actors regularly to discuss the ways of collaboration and to make sure that Every single stakeholder is making their beat towards uh, satisfying consumers and towards co-creating better products and services. So what, what happens in these cases is that you've got different um, representatives from different organizations coming together and negotiate different uh, ways of managing the destination properly. For example, um, they may uh, decide what is the current capacity of the destination, what is the maximum number that they would like to attract at each particular time. They may decide how many cruise ships would they like to invite um, to the destination or allow to the destination. And they may use smart systems to actually understand proactively and reactively what is the situation that they need to address in order to make sure that they maximize the benefits for the different stakeholders. So what you have on practical terms is that you've got people coming together, let's say four times per year, design what the tourism product should look like, identify issues that they may be challenging, for example, maybe overcrowding, maybe unsocial behavior, maybe um, local residents have uh, complaints, maybe issues with relation to uh, procurement of products and services and uh, links to the agricultural industry. And then they decide on a long-term plan. So you've got a master plan that decides I don't know, four or five years long, and then you've got different plans, tactical plans that they're addressing the challenges of destinations. Here's a typical example of conflicting interests between different actors. So if you're going as a tourist to a destination A, uh, you probably have a budget and you probably would like to have a meal for a certain price. Let's say that you would like to go to a destination, you may like to have a meal for 50 euros. 
the local uh, residents have got to deal with a lot more users of their places, that they are putting inflationary pressures on the price of the food. So if you've got a lot of tourists coming to eat the fish in the seaside area, so the price for the fish will be more expensive for the locals. And equally, the restaurants would like to charge you 100 euros uh, because they've got to deal with inflation, they've got to deal with energy prices, they've got to deal with the sort of stuff. So here's a little example of a, of a little conflict that uh, where you were prepared to pay 50 euros for a meal, the local um, restaurants would like to charge you 100 euros for a meal, and the local residents do not appreciate that because of the, the demand that you've got for, for products and services, they've got to pay much more than they used to have when um, the demand was lower and inflation was lower. In reality, there's a variety of very different destination-specific problems where there's a potential for conflicts. So each destination, each particular region has got unique vulnerabilities and has got unique context in which we need to design ways that we can maximize the products and services. So in an ideal world, you are using technology for networking. You are using forums for people for getting people together and, and making people to understand that for the benefit of the local residents and the local owners of the resources that we're using in tourism, we really need to identify what kind of activities we need to have. We need to identify, for example, what kind of food we need to serve to the tourists. So if I'm, in a, if I'm on a Greek island, I don't necessarily would like to, uh, to serve uh, food that includes Swiss chocolate. We really need to look into how the local economy, the local resources can be used to actually maximize the value for the local residents. And this is what we're trying to do with smartness. We're trying to connect everybody in this inter interconnected and interoperable system and platform that brings the different interests together towards maximizing the benefits for all the stakeholders. And this is really something we see more and more, especially indie destinations that successfully embrace smart tourism policies. But again, collaboration itself is not a new thing in the industry. This is not new in the sense that we've always had to create networks and collaborative structures in order to be able to deliver products and services. So, uh, for example, you cannot have an airport operating un unless you have got collaboration with security, collaboration with food and beverage, collaboration with onboard catering, on um, fuel, uh, all kinds of services that they're all coming together to maximize uh, the benefits for all the stakeholders. What is new is that we increasingly understand the value of that collaboration and we increasingly understand the importance of sustainability. So we're looking to longer term, how can those products and services be sustainable and how can all the stakeholders benefit from, from those services? Because it is very possible that some organizations only benefit from that at the expense of others. So what is new is how we are managing um, these things in a more structured way, how we are learning from more 
more pioneers for people who have tried these things before and we are now bringing them in places where they have not implemented that in the past and how increasingly we're aware of the different ways of people that are trying to take advantage of situations at the expense of others. So I think the more we progress, the more we learn from theory and practice and we learn from international best practice on how we can do these things in the best possible way to maximize the benefits for all the stakeholders. The main challenge, though, is similar among all destinations. It is really about balancing power and it's really about looking to economic activities and how those economic activities can actually work together towards the benefit, the quality of life and the long-term sustainability of resources for the local communities. Our next guest comes to us from Valencia, a city that prides itself in creating a very effective model for these kind of ongoing conversations. My name is Joan Carles Cambrils. I'm uh, currently working at uh, Valencia Polytechnic University. Joan Carles Cambrils has been a guest on this podcast before because up until recently he was working at the Visit Valencia Foundation. Fundación Visit Valencia is more than 25 years old, but we changed a little bit the model during the last years. A foundation meets regularly to bring stakeholders together and plays a big part in shaping the tourism landscape in the city. Visit Valencia is a legal institution created according to the Spanish law and the Valencian regional law for foundations, but is supported by the region, the province and the municipality and the city. Participation for the private sector is based on membership. To be a member of this foundation uh, requires for private companies to pay a fee and uh, a, mem- a membership. The institution is built on a sophisticated democratic model and it brings together some of the most important actors in the city's tourism sector. In this uh, legal institution, there are internal elections for uh, choosing according to our internal status for having representative members in the governance or government bodies that we call patronato, is like the board. There were approximately 500 companies and I can tell you that these are the most important and relevant companies in the city. So with this successful model in mind, what are the biggest learnings Valencia has to share? The local authorities must understand that they are going to lose power, to lose sovereignty, to lose capacity of decision. Because it's true that most of the budget is public, but the tourism sector, tourism activity is different to the shoe manufacturer uh, activity or the fashion activity because You need the private collaboration for accommodation, for transport, for uh, amusement activities, for theatre, for cinema, etc., etc. But the elected members must understand that they can decide to allocate money as they want. They have to consult and they have to understand the market knowledge that the private companies have and negotiate the last decision, no? the, the decision. So uh, my recommendation is that if, if any city, uh, city hall or regional government uh, are thinking about creating this institution, is to understand that uh, you have to allocate a big part of the 
local budget. You have to be transparent, open the books, and you have to take decisions jointly with the private companies. Our final guest today comes to us from the city of Lyon. So hello everyone, I'm uh, Camille Villeneuve, I'm the Marketing Director and Communication Director for the only Lyon Tourism Bureau, that's the Tourism Bureau for the destination of Lyon in France. Lyon is, of course, the 2019 winner of a European Capital Smart Tourism Award, and it too has developed an innovative model of collaboration for the tourism sector. The change that we have is that we're quite an old uh, tourism bureau. So we have uh, one main stakeholder, which is the metropole of Lyon. That's Lyon plus the 58 uh, cities that are just around Lyon. And we have, as an association, we have members, people who are uh, paying a fee each year to be members of the association. And that's around 600 people each year uh, who are professionals of the tourism industry. They can be hotels, restaurants, service providers, uh, museums, private guides, etc. And that's very important because we are dependent of the metropoles, but we also have uh, this built-in professional association where we are also speaking on a daily basis with professionals of the tourism industry. So we are kind of a, a balanced structure in that way. The association acts as a platform for ongoing dialogue, frequent exchange and a strong relationship with the local industry. The way that we are structured makes us exchange a lot with the private sector. The committee meets uh, once a month and on the committee we have the main museum of Lyon, we have some of the main hotels, our president, of course, members and elected members of the Metropole. And the board itself meets a few times a year. And we have a general assembly with all of our members, one time, uh, one time each year. And on these occasions, we have a lot of discussions about why we do, why we do things, so how we spend our budget, why we decide that we want to make tourism more responsible and how we want to do it. So it's really a conversation about tourism and the way we develop it. It's not something that we do on our side. As we've already seen, being at this intersection means having to find compromise between a lot of conflicting ideas. We are at the centre of this conversation, so it's important for us to really keep on talking to both public and the private sector and explain the concerns on both sides. I'll give you an example. Uh, the municipality decided that they were going to dim the lights at night. It was important for energy saving in the city that we couldn't keep lights out at night in, in certain districts. We have a very nice uh, scenery at night and some tourism actors actually live of that. They do tours at night and they show these lights and it hadn't been taken into consideration by the municipality because they were thinking about energy saving and that they didn't think about tourism development, which is okay because it, it cannot always be their main priority. So we launched this whole conversation and said, okay, we definitely understand the sobriety questions. We also represent uh, some professional economy uh, that is very important for the destination. How can we put it, uh, everyone around the same table and try to find a solution which, which would be okay both for energy issue and for tourism issue when we managed to find some consensus? It was not the perfect situation for anyone, but we managed to have a new plan uh, built around this conversation. That's, I think, something that we're quite um, good at doing trying to make people talk to each other and talk to each other, not uh, by way of uh, press releases and saying that they don't agree, etc., etc., which otherwise would be the case. So clearly, this type of dialogue can be satisfying, but it's not without its challenges. I think the, the other time is that it's very time-consuming. 
it's not something it does take some energy. It's adding, yes, it's it's adding some extra some extra extra process, but it's also something that's kind of comforting in a, in a way. Recently, seeking inspiration from other destinations, the city has also begun to experiment with new initiatives. What we've launched this year and what we've done is that, first of all, uh, one person in our team has participated in a program called Democracy that was launched in, uh, in Copenhagen. So she went to different uh, different meetings and she came back with a lot of inspiration from Nordic destinations. This year, Lyon launched some successful discussions with local residents, bringing them directly into the conversation. So we had our first meeting and the inhabitants and the tourism bureau and a few professionals of the tourism industry that we handpicked and elected. And for two hours, we put everyone in the same room. There were 80 people and all of these 80 people worked on different, uh, different levels and they could discuss how they wanted to see the city change, what, how could we open factories to visit, what could we do to make people use public transportation some more, how could we make visitors use bikes some more, etc., etc. Very um, practical issues. Uh, it was really interesting, I think, both for the inhabitants, uh, for the tourism bureau professional that were there. It was really good to challenge uh, the way we work and our, our products uh, with these people. And also for the professionals we were, that were there, they were also really uh, interested to be able to talk to real people. And the success of this experiment is already inspiring similar ideas. I think it's just that it, uh, it feels that we're just at the beginning of the journey. We are taking a good direction. I, I tell you in a, in a few years it, that if that was made us evolve as a, as a structure, but I, I really strongly feel that it's uh, that really the way we're going to be working in the next years. And that's it for today. Thanks again to all our guests and to you for listening. See you in the next episode. Smart gets you further.